this is Pastor Daryl Beggs. You're listening to Sunday Morning Sermons from Central Baptist Church in Hillsboro, Texas. Thanks for joining us, and God bless you. If you will open your Bibles to John chapter 5, the Gospel of John chapter 5. We are continuing our series on the seven signs in the Gospel of John. You remember the first two, water to wine and the healing of the royal official or the nobleman's son. But the signs all point to a greater truth, and today's sign is no different. And the the title of the message today is, Do You Wish to Get Well?, which is part of the uh, scripture that we're going to read. Now, several years ago in a newspaper, y'all remember newspapers? Uh, Hopefully you still read newspaper, even if it's online, I don't know. But anyway, years ago a newspaper headline read, 20,000 fear dead in Colombia eruption, volcanic blast triggers huge mudslides. Apparently, this volcanic eruption had melted a huge snowpack underneath and caused these tremendous mudslides, and it was a terrible tragedy. But in the same publication, there was another headline which said, Colombian disaster may may raise price of coffee 30%. Isn't it interesting how one of those is such a selfless and heartfelt concern for others, while the other one is don't raise the price of my coffee. It seems like there's a selflessness there and a selfishness there, and that's kind of a picture of life, isn't it? Uh, One was concerned about others, the other about self. But Jesus was always concerned about others. He really, he always was giving himself away. And through these seven signs, we see that in an amazing way. And, And this story is no exception. So take a look at Uh, John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. It says, After these things, which was uh, his encounter with the Samaritan woman and the Samaritans, and then his encounter with this royal official whose son he healed from a distance. So those are the things. There was a feast of the Jews, and and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. It doesn't say which feast, and apparently that's not important for this story. But verse 2, it says, Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. Now, what's the sheep gate? The sheep gate is where they would bring the sheep and the animals in for the sacrifices at the temple. So there was this pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Bethesda means uh, God's mercy or God's grace. And it was kind of a hospital area there for for the sick people. And it says it was called Bethesda having five porticos. A portico was like a porch and with a cover on it to kind of, you know, they had had mercy on those people and built these porticos to at least keep them out of the weather and the sun. And so that you kind of get the picture of what's going on here with these five porticos and this pool in the middle. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And then you'll notice you may have this in your Bible. Uh, Mine has brackets. Uh, these next, uh, the end of verse 3 and, the, and verse 4 are not in some of the ancient manuscripts. But it makes perfect sense because even if it wasn't in the original, uh, a scribe, one of the scribes added this later on to help us get a bigger, a better picture of what was going on here. I have no problem with it being in the original. But anyway, it says, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Now, I don't know if it was superstition or not. There's different ideas about that. But I do know this. It says right here that an angel stirred the water. So 
I don't know. There was something special happening there or all these people wouldn't have been gathered around probably. So something was going on. It really doesn't give us any other explanation except for the first person that stepped down was healed. So a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Can you just imagine? Uh, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Do you notice Jesus does instantly what God does all the time? He turned water into wine. It usually takes a while for for uh, the grapes to ferment and the wine to be made, but Jesus did that instant, instantly. Uh, Jesus healed this uh, nobleman's son from a distance. And, you know, healing a lot of times takes place over a period of time, but Jesus did it instantly. What's the whole picture there? It's the picture of that He is God and He is able to do things that you and I cannot do. And uh, it was just, you know, John is all about the deity of Jesus Christ. It says to the whole world, Jesus is God. He came to save you. And so that's the idea behind the whole Gospel of John. So Jesus says, pick up your pallet. He picks it up and he walks. Now, here's, the, here's the, uh, the catch for the whole thing. It was the Sabbath on that day. So who got mad? <laughs> the Jews got mad. Verse 10, so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath and it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. That really wasn't, according to the Old Testament law, it wasn't really wrong for him to carry his pallet, but they had added all these extra rules, and so he just couldn't carry anything on the Sabbath. And so they got mad. They did not rejoice that he was healed, but they got mad because he was carrying his pallet. And you say there's no humor in the Bible. Uh, but he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. That's kind of funny too, isn't it? Because the guy says, It's not my fault. It's this guy that healed me. It's his fault. He did that. And They asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. This is really an amazing story of the grace of God. Jesus comes to this place where all of these people are sick. Uh, It says that they're sick, they're blind, they're lame, they're withered, they're all gathered there. And think about that. All those things, sick, blind, lame, withered. Isn't that kind of a metaphorical picture of our whole society, our whole world? It's, it's a picture of me. It's a picture of you. It's a picture of all of us. We're all sick and blind and lame and withered spiritually. We all are powerless when it comes to eternity and situations in our lives that we can't deal with. And we have this whole problem of sin that is just a, a constant nagging a temptation thing that goes on in our hearts and lives. And if we don't have help with it, we'll never have victory over it. But it's just a great story. It's a, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 3. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. 
For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. What is the Arabah? Well, that's the desolate and dry place. The scripture says when the Messiah came that people would be healed and they would leap for joy when they were lame and that there would be streams in the desert in the driest, most deserted, most hardened places of your heart and mind. Jesus would bring streams to soften that and to refresh us and to give us hope and joy in life. What a great picture it is of the grace of God. So it was grace that brought Jesus to the pool. It was grace that brought Jesus to the man. It was grace that caused Jesus to speak to the man. And it was grace that, by His grace that the man was healed. And then later, Jesus went and looked him up. It was all by God's grace and design. It's interesting when you look at this story that it doesn't seem that anyone else there that day was healed. But somehow, way. God decided to give us a picture of the healing of our lameness and, and how if we wish to get well, that He's really the answer above all answers. So let's take a look at it a little, a little closer. Do you wish to get well? Notice there's some principles here. The, one, the first principle is man's devastation. This man was hopeless. There was a sense of hopelessness in his life. It's, it's another picture of our world. There's, there's hopelessness. 38 years. I don't know how long he'd been coming to the pool, but apparently a long, long time. I don't know if he'd been coming for 38 years. I just don't know. It doesn't say, but I know he'd been coming a long time. And it was a hopeless situation. Apparently he'd done everything he could. But in his hopelessness, he had people all around him. Don't miss that. In his hopelessness, he had people all around him. Now, that works both ways. First of all, for the man who was hopeless, there was a hopelessness of looking around and seeing all these people and wondering why he couldn't find one friend to help him. On the other hand, it's a reflection on the people and it's a reflection on us to think about if we see people in need and we go the other way, we leave them with a sense of hopelessness too. So it kind of cuts both ways, doesn't it? He, there was people all around, but he, he couldn't even find one friends. But you and I have hope to offer people, don't we? We have the hope of Jesus. And surely to goodness, there were some people who passed that way from time to time who would have helped the guy. But maybe in their busyness or maybe in their piety, not wanting to be around people like that. I don't know, but they passed him up. But not only was he hopeless, he, he was helpless. He, he, again, he had no man to put him in the pool. But not only was his body paralyzed, his will, his hope had become paralyzed too. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're getting to the point of, of kind of giving up or not having hope or uh, just feeling helpless or like it's never going to get any better and that sort of thing? You know, most people go through valleys in life and go through times of depression or difficulty. And so we can relate to that. Not only was his body paralyzed, his hope was kind of paralyzed. It was really a sad testimony uh, until Jesus came. And it's kind of the same way for our world. It's, people are, are hopeless and helpless until you and I come and say, hey, we've got a message of hope for you. We've got a message of encouragement for you. We've got a message that will help you get up and walk. There was still a lot of hopeless and helpless people around us. But not only that, was he hopeless and helpless, but he was hurt. He said, people beat me to the pool. 
People get in my way. People are barriers to me getting well. So it's one thing to ignore people who are hurting. It's, a, it's another thing to be too busy to stop and look. But the worst thing is to, to become a barrier to somebody who wants to get well. And uh, instead, of instead of bridges, they became barriers. Sometimes I wonder in my own life, and I suppose maybe we all should wonder daily, am I being a bridge for people who are hopeless and helpless, or am I being a barrier? How, how can I be, have greater sensitivity to those around me? Which one am I going to be today? I'm really thankful as we have, over these past few weeks, we have uh, recognized the different ministries of our church. We're really trying we're trying to be bridges into our community. We're trying to, to reach out and to help people and to be a blessing to them. But it's not about us, is it? It's about trying to share the love of God in Christ. And I'm thankful for those things. That you and I and, and our church, we're trying to make a difference. But you know what? Keep adding prayer to that. Keep trusting God to bring the harvest. I know it's coming. I know it's, I know it's just uh, it's right around the corner. And... Keep asking God, keep seeking God, and keep trusting God as we seek to reach out into hopelessness and helplessness and people who are hurting and be sensitive to that. But not only was there this devastation of man, which is kind of a general picture of the devastation of mankind, but there was a declaration. Jesus made a declaration that day. He said in verse 6, look what he said in verse 6. He says, do you wish to get well? And then in verse 8, he said, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And then in verse 14, he says, behold, you've become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. So there's this investigation. He says, do you wish to get well? And now think about that for a minute. Isn't that kind of a crazy question? The guy's been laying there forever. Of course he wants to get well. But does he really? Or has he gotten so used to that that he's kind of given up hope? I don't know. Uh, but you have to think that the guy after laying there, finally somebody paid attention to him. There must have been some kind of hope and some kind of twinkle that came back into his eyes when somebody at least asked him about himself. Do you want to get well? Do you wish to get well? It challenged his concept of how to get well. Jesus didn't ask him, do you want me to help you in the water? He asked him, do you want to get well? And of course, the man made an excuse. He said, I don't have anybody to help me get in the well. But have you ever noticed that it's Jesus who helps us do things that we can't do on our own? I know you've noticed that because it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? It's Jesus who enables us. It's Jesus who gives us the strength. And, and there's that principle again that happens really in, in most all of these signs that we're talking about. Jesus says it, the person believes, the person acts, and it's done. There's a, there's a principle here of faith and then action and then Jesus works. It's really pretty amazing. And it's a, it's a common and ongoing principle in our lives. We pray, we believe God's promises, we act and see what God does. And then he initiated this. He says, pick up your pallet and walk. Not in his power, but because of his obedience. The man was thinking about the pool. Jesus is thinking about walking. And there's a whole different attitude there, isn't it? When, when we are obedient, He initiates greater things. 
Think about this with me for a minute. I wrote this down. We spend too much time on our pallets of doubt, fear, and even self-pity. Maybe even on the pallet of waiting for some experience to happen in our lives. Waiting around for God to do something to make me believe. When God says, no, you got it out of order. I want you to believe. You don't, I'm not, don't wait around for me to give you some experience. Be obedient to me right away. Sometimes we're even waiting. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit's already come? You believe that? He's already here, right? If you're a Christian, where is He? Well, He's in your, he's in your heart, in your life. He's, he's with us. He fills us. He directs us. And so if we're waiting around on some experience or waiting for the Holy Spirit to zap us, you know, and I do think that we need to be careful about that. We need to be careful when we quench and grieve the Holy Spirit that we confess it to God and we ask Him to forgive us and we ask Him to fill us with the Spirit again. But when we do that, let's trust Him to do it and go forward with our lives. That's what He asks us to do. So don't wait around. Get up and walk. That's what Jesus said. Get up and walk. Get up and go to your neighbor. Get up and minister. Do whatever He tells you to do, but just do it. And then he gives him instruction. He finds him. He goes and hunts him down. And that is so neat to me how Jesus not only ministers to people in the, in the Gospels, but he follows up with them and he helps them to see beyond the healing. Now, it's interesting that this guy, and it says Jesus slipped away, so maybe he didn't really have a chance to thank Jesus. But why did he go to the temple? I think maybe he went to the temple because he wanted to give thanks and give the sacrifice for his healing. Um, but he got there, and Jesus looks him up. And it's interesting what happens there, because Jesus says to him, he says, uh, you've become well, do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. What does that mean? Does it mean that he was sick because he had sinned? No, that's not what it means. It means this. It means it would be a shame and a tragedy for you to accept this wonderful gift of healing from God and still wind up in hell because you didn't believe. You didn't move beyond healing faith to saving faith. Isn't it amazing in our world every day how we enjoy the beauty of God and the blessing of God and the miraculous things of God and oftentimes we don't acknowledge God? Um, you know, our world all around us is enjoying the blessings of God even today, but it's not turning them to faith. And Jesus said, it's well and good for you to be healed, but not only do you need to go and pick up your pallet and walk, you need to be, go and be born again. You need to have your heart changed and your life changed and your life healed. He needed to be healed twice to avoid the worse, the worse problem, eternity separated from God. The impotent man met the omnipotent man. And aren't you thankful for that? Because that's a picture of us. It's a picture of me. I'm powerless. I'm weak. Anybody out there weak? Anybody struggle with temptation? Anybody lose sometimes and feel like a loser? Oh man, it, it just happens, doesn't it? So what do we do? Well, we got to be like this guy. We got to say, Lord, I need your help. We got to listen to Jesus who said, not only do you need physical healing, not only do you need to enjoy my blessings, you need to depend upon me for the deeper things of life. And I found this prayer by a guy named Scotty Smith, who's a pastor in Franklin, Tennessee, and it's a devotional prayer. And I just want to share part of it with you. 
And he says, oh, to be done with the quest for competency and control, self-sufficiency and self-anything. I know that day is coming, Father, but well before the second coming of Jesus, free me to boast in, not not bemoan about my weaknesses. Grant me grace to accept my limitations and quirks, my body pains and my heart wounds. Though I'd rather be a swaggering vessel of togetherness and impressiveness, help me delight in being a fragile jar of clay, releasing the aroma of grace and the wonders of your love. Free me from comparing myself to anybody by keeping me smitten with the beauty of Jesus and the excellency of knowing Him. Indeed, may Jesus increasingly become my treasure, the gospel my delight, and grace my sufficiency. I like that last line so much, I want to say it again. Indeed, may Jesus increasingly become my treasure, the gospel my delight, and grace my sufficiency. Isn't that what what Jesus said to Paul when he was complaining about the thorn in his flesh? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is perfected in what? Your weakness. Man, I need to be reminded of that all the time. I love that line he says where he says there, I would love to be a he says, I'd love to be a swaggering vessel of togetherness and impressiveness. But that don't happen, does it? We really need his grace from day to day. So he talks about this man's devastation. He makes this declaration. Get up and walk and do it in my grace and trust me. And if you haven't come to know him, then the only way you're going to do that is just take a step. You've got to, it's a step of faith. You know, I witnessed to a young man one time and he just had a hard time. And I finally just said, Listen, you can't analyze it forever. You just got to decide whether you believe Jesus' claims or not. So the last thing, notice that Jesus said, I'm God. Basically, he said, Jesus' deification. Look at verse 15 with me there. The man went away, told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And then the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing. But notice what he said. My father is working until now, and I myself am working the man was probably at the temple, as we said, giving thanks. The Jews were worrying about him carrying his pallet. But this man was excited about walking. He became a witness to the grace of God. Not just a physical healing, but a life-changing encounter that he had with Jesus. And so Jesus affirms him. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. But notice that Jesus didn't say our father, he said my father. And when he said that, when he said that, it really made the Jews mad. Why? Because he made himself equal with God. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is God who stepped out of heaven. Jesus is God who lived a perfect life. Jesus is God who died on the cross, a substitutionary death for your sin and mine. Jesus is God who was buried. Jesus is God who was raised the third day. Jesus is God who sits at the right hand of the Father, the second person of the Godhead, who intercedes for you and me every day of our lives. Jesus is God who's coming again. And Jesus is God who one day we will all gather around the throne with the angels and the elders and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's who He is. So, 
Can I give you an admonition this morning? Don't forget who he is. Sometimes I forget. And when I do that, everything flies out of place. He says, my father is working until now. Ever since man's sin, God has been pursuing him to put him back together, to keep him from falling apart. God keeps the sun and the planets and the moon in their places and makes this world turn and the galaxies far flung. He has every one of them under control and he got every star called by a name. Who is he? He is God. And he is able to do exceeding and abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or even imagine. That's who he is. Don't forget who he is. He said, that's who I am. That's my father. That's me. That's what we do. Isn't that glorious? He is so good. So that was the beginning of them trying to just tear him down. When we, as we close today, I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 2 in uh, verse 8. This is just probably the best illustration of trying to finish this whole thing up, I think, that I could find. Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Risen from the dead, descendant of David. Why does that matter? Because it's God's promised Messiah. That's why it matters. According to my gospel, for which I what? Suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Do you want power in your life? Get the Word of God in it and share the Word of God from it. There's power in that. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. What in the world is all of this saying? It's all saying it's not about the coffee, it's about the people. It's not about what's going up or what's going down. It's about sensitivity to the voice of God. It's about seeing needs around us. It's about trusting our weaknesses and our frailties and our failures to the one who gives amazing grace. It's about remembering who he is and who we're not and what he's promised and then leaning into him with all of our might. 